Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everyone. Andy Richter here. Uh, you're listening to the three questions with Andy Richter. And I am very, very happy to have uh, a very funny woman on my show today. Uh, she's a comedian. Uh, she's a bon vivant. Uh, you've perhaps seen her twerking on the internet. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Atska Lokatska. Hi. Oh, Andy, Andy, I'm so shy before I even came on. I just yeah. Well, now, now you, now everyone knows you're I, capable of twerking on the internet. That's right. Yeah, I've never been called a bon vivant. And then you know, when you started, you're like, we have a funny woman on the show. I was like, don't give it away, <laughs> Andy. They might stop well, listening. <laughs> No, no, they're expecting, well, now you have to be funny, that's the thing. Yeah, you have to be funny, they knew it was yeah, going to yeah. be a, a female, uh-huh. and uh, hope you like, you know, if, if someone's like more like, oh, you know, I listen to Andy because he's family friendly, there he said it, trying to bring on a, someone who twerks. <laughs> when did you start posting those dancing videos? Cause, and with your grandma, they almost always feature your grandma. Yeah, they almost always feature my grandma um, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, so when did I start? I started, gosh, it was like we went on a trip together to Taiwan and I had always been dancing and uh, she was always and your gra- Is your grandma Taiwanese? My grandma is Taiwanese. My grandma's, okay. yeah. So we went to Taiwan to do like a, it was supposed to actually be me and my husband's honeymoon trip. Um, but and lo you and, took grandma. Lo and behold. That is sexy. Word spreads, you know, and she was like, well, I haven't been to Taiwan in a while. And then we were like, oh, we, we were like, yeah, then you should probably come too." And then my mom was like, well, who's going to take care of me? And then so my mom came too, And then my dad was like, you know, Taiwan's very close to where I'm at. And so my dad brought him uh, himself and his ex-girlfriend. It was a whole um, it was like our crazy rich Asians, you know, uh. Well, did you at least get to dump all these old people off somewhere and have an actual honeymoon? Or We had like a couple of days to ourselves, but for the yeah. most part, because of discount reasons to save I money. I understand. I understand. We were all in the same Airbnb for most of the I time. See. Yeah. But um, so that's when, you know, I think I just needed to release the energy. I wanted to have space for my thoughts you know and my own process anyway i started twerking and my husband started filming it and my grandma and my mom happened to be watching the twerking when it panned to them they couldn't have seen more less enthused and uh 
people really liked that video <laughs> where <laughs> because they got caught, you know, they panned to them and they weren't smiling or anything about me twerking. And then when it when they got caught, they started clapping. They're like, oh, and uh, <laughs> I think there was like a sincerity to that that people liked. And that's when I kind of really started posting more twerking videos. And then my grandma started dancing, too. What a long answer. Sorry. Well, that's all right. We got time. I, you know, I don't have anything to do. <laughs> I, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to re recock my daughter's bathtub this afternoon, but that's about it. Ooh, uh, handy, handy, Andy. It, yeah, unfortunately. Um, no, actually, it is fortunate. Like, yeah, there's lots of stuff that I can that I can do myself, and then I do do it, and then I don't have, especially now, then I don't have to have somebody come into the house. Yeah. For you know, viral reasons. Um, but it also, right, right, right. you know, but it also does mean that there's like the, if you can do things, it just means that your list of chores grows longer and longer. So yeah. I, yeah, no, know. it's true. It's cause you let them know. You said, I, I know how to do that. I have a toolbox. Yes. What's, yes. It, what's recalking a bathtub? Recalking, well, it's an old, I live in, um, uh, I'm renting a house, and it's a house that was built, I think, in 1950. And this bathroom is original, and it's where the tile and the tub meet. Oh, uh there's There's that gap, and you fill that in with silicone caulk, and it tends to degrade quicker than, like, the grout, which is the stuff between the tiles. Got it. Got it. So you have it's a matter of waterproofing it around the uh, where the tub meets the tile is basically it. And my daughter, my daughter, because it's like coming apart and there's gaps in it, my daughter's convinced that bugs are getting out of the wall and crawling into her tub. <laughs> I mean, She's, that's kind of what I would think too, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, I, but I don't think there's bugs crawling out of. There's like an occasional flying bug will die in her tub or a crawling bug will, you know, you'll find a bug in the tub. Yeah, and, a bug, uh, bug in the tub. What they, yeah. they, they, I think they get thirsty. I don't know if they drink water. I'm just making this up. But then they go, yeah. wow, that's a lot of water. I mean, yeah. a b- bathtub full of water, is a, it's finding gold if you're thirsty. <laughs> well, or even a trace of water, but they get in and they can't get out. That's, you know, but she's right. convinced that they're coming through the wall. Which I'm like, I don't think the walls are like crawling with insects. You know, I, that's <laughs> it just is a view into what her mind is. If you open up a wall, I'm sure she just thinks there's a there's hive a, of just, activity. Just partying. She's yeah, seen, yeah. oh, it's from A Bug's Life. I feel like you yes. have, yeah, or ants. She's watching too many insect <laughs> uh, animated movies. I know. Um, so, uh, what are you, how are you coping with this? I mean, I feel like so much, you know, this is an interview, interview show kind of, you know, autobiographical stuff and Mm -hmm. get people to talk about why they are the way they are, but it just, without COVID, it just seems like it's a different topic. It's, I feel like life is in a, like just was picked up and transferred to a different context, you know? Right. But in a weird way, this pandemic has made people um, tap into who they really are. I think so, yeah. Right? So like the true monsters are turning into bigger monsters and people who are not monsters are tapping into more being more lovely or, you know, fighting for human rights and stuff, you know? Yeah. I feel like the pandemic is a great time to, yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of people. I mean, you're spending a lot of time with yourself, right? Yeah, uh, more than usual, and so um, it, that could be either a good or bad thing. Um, yes, no, I know. 
So in a weird way, it's highlighting, like, maybe it's great for your podcast is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, well, it certainly, like, gives me something to do. Like, this gave me something to look forward to today, to actually have, have a conversation with a human being. Uh, you know, even though For it's, sure. even though it's remote, but you know, cause there, I mean, there's days now, especially, you know, we're still doing the Conan show, but that's, there's not a lot to do. You know I mean? It kind of, you know, he, right. He goes and tapes it and I, they send me bits and I tape them and he and I'll do stuff together on zoom occasionally, but there's, you know, there's days that go by where I, I'm right. just sort of on my own. So I'm glad to be doing podcasts just to have something to do. Have you had any self-discoveries during this time? Uh, well, if you're talking about masturbation, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. A good, a good <laughs> amount. A good amount. Uh, so, well, so many people back in their childhood homes just masturbating. But now it's grown adults. <laughs> right? Right. It's much sexier. There's something there with like childhood trauma, memories coming in. Yeah, yeah. While, while you're in your bed, that's now too small for you. Right, right, oh, right, exactly. That pent up energy, it's yeah. going to be the hottest little session while, <laughs> you know, while your aging parents are like, do you want chicken? Right. You know, right, right. From the kitchen. Or they're like, I remember the sound that that mattress makes when you're jerking off. Right, you know? right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a lot of that. It's a lot of, I think roommates seeing each other romantically and just being like, fuck it. Yeah. You're my life partner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For now, at least. Yeah. yeah. Either that or, you know, and sometimes it can get negative, like where you start raging and then you take it out and the only place to do it is on 4chan or something, you know? Right, right. So there's various things that this pandemic is doing for people. Has it, has it been a strain on you and the people in your house? Because you live with your grandma, don't you? My grandma actually lives close by, 20 minutes oh, away. Oh, okay. So people do think we live together, um, which in the beginning, I was afraid to say out loud that during the pandemic, I was visiting my grandma. Right, <laughs> Be- right. Because, you know, people would be like, your grandma killer. You know, but literally she was the only person I was seeing besides my my, my husband yeah. and, the, and the grocery store clerk. Right. You know, but um, yeah, so, you know, strains strains not so much the bummer thing has been seeing my grandma sort of start to deteriorate um but because she's just indoors all the time she doesn't get to like take walks and exercise um so that that's been a bummer and having to figure that out like right now we're actually figuring out a way where uh she gets knee surgery during this pandemic somehow oh wow yeah yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's too bad um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, have you been able to do any kind of work? Does, or is it, I mean, I imagine for doing stand up, it stopped everything. Right. For live shows, for sure. The Zoom shows, though, I've actually been doing a bunch of the Zoom stand up shows. And I had a moment the other day where I was like, I think, I think I really like these Zoom shows. And then, <laughs> and then I had to snap out of it. I had to slap myself and be like, Asuko, stop it. No, because one day this will be over. And how are you going to transition out of screaming into a laptop while you do yes. this? Yes. You know? Um, but uh, I don't know if it was like I brainwashed myself, but I was like, I can be just a front-facing comedian. And, yep. um, and I even convinced myself sometimes the work, jokes work better when I do it to a laptop. 
Oh, really? Yeah, but I don't know if that's true. That's just me trying to, you know, make Stay myself home feel more. better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think, I do think, and I've said this before on here, that I think that one thing that this is going to do is people are, it's going to change the way people do shows because they've already figured out, oh, we can do shows like this. We yeah. can do shows and it's cheaper and mm-hmm. it's easier. And there are going to be people, not only just like, I do think, you know, the people that sign checks, the people that make shows will be saying, well, it was so cheap when we were doing everything from home. Can't we figure out a way to kind of mix that into our regular thing and uh, sure. where we don't have to pay space for offices for people? But I also think there's going to be people who are like, hey, I did a show and I didn't have to leave my house. And that was great. You know, I, for, I, I got to sure. let's do that from now on. You know, right. Totally. What's cool is also there's a bigger reach. Each comedy show is international. Yeah. You can truly have everybody from all parts of the world tap in and watch. Yeah. And watch. In. And you and there is kind of yeah, there does get to be kind of like you know, if you're advertising on Twitter or whatever, you do get to kind of like get an international audience. Uh right. you know, of people that can see these things. So. Totally. And and honestly, things are opening up in the states and there are comedy places open, comedy venues, but I mean did you see what happened to D.L. Hughley? No. Oh, didn't he get, he got COVID. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was performing in Nashville at Zany's where I've performed before. And I was like, that stage is not that big. You're very close to the audience. What happened was he just passed out during his set. And then the crowd was like, wow, what's going on? Chaos, commotion. Yeah. Man comes up to help him up. And then it, uh, and then it came out that it's because he had COVID and he was um, just more exhausted and tired because of it. Yeah. But didn't know until he got tested after that. So, oh, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, no, it's definitely too soon to be performing live. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I it's it's tempting to think like, oh, there are people that say it's OK, but it's not. It's not OK. And I think we're going to in the next few days be finding that out. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. How much do we love comedy, Andy? How much do you love comedy? Uh, <laughs> not that much. I mean, it's been good to me, you know, but uh, I honestly, do you watch a lot of comedy in your spare time? I do. I, do I love it. I fill my head with it because I get so, I get too emotional. Um, it hurts me when I see some, like a sad story or a tragedy or even horror you know, yeah, I'll, yeah. So I fill my head with comedy. Yeah. Do you? Is that is that? No, I actually don't. And, <laughs> okay. uh, I don't. Um, I mean, I when I was younger, I I was and I was kind of a student of it and was in it and, you know, and striving and trying to make a name for myself. Mm-hmm. But now now I find I mean, just left to my own devices, I find myself watching. Almost everything but comedy. Um, yeah, and just like, like cold cold case murders and stuff. Exactly. That kind of stuff or um, <laughs> you know, good good drama series that, you know, involves some kind of like I'm not like I haven't watched like Pretty Little Lies, but I have watched say like <laughs> The Americans. You know, like Oh, sure. You know right. what I mean? I like I like what people call like dad shows or dad TV. You know, like 
crime sure. and you know spy stuff and you know boring old white man stuff like that. <laughs> um, no, yeah, yeah, crime, international crime. Yeah. There's murder. Good- it's like if there's murder in something, I'm like, okay, well, at least there's some murder in right. here to keep right. me going. That's so um, interesting because, well, you know, some people really like it when there's like an an apparent good guy and an apparent bad guy. Yeah. And there's something to that, too, where I think it's a little similar to trying to fill your head with comedy and positive things. I wonder because it's nice to always know that the good guy wins in the end. Yeah. I don't know if that's how the Americans go. <laughs> well, no, they actually, I think Americans do the good guy wins in the end too much. Like it's like okay. too too much there that you got to have the good guy. Because the, the movies that end on like a, oh no, kind of note. Right. You know, like uh, my daughter and I, have you ever seen The Omen? No, the, never the seen The movie The, the Omen. Omen. It's really, really a good movie. And I just watched it with my 14-year-old daughter. Yeah. The other day, and I hadn't seen it in years. And it's basically about uh, Gregory Peck plays uh, an ambassador who is in line to be president. Like he's very popular. He's best friends with the president, mm. and uh, he he is he has a de- the devil's baby. Like he and right. his wife have the devil's baby. And the way that that ends is in a way that like you know re- makes you realize like oh no, all the good people lost. <laughs> and the devil won. That's... Uh, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen The Omen. Um, no, yeah. From the cover of the film, I already knew. I, I Again, I like to fill my head with like comedy and positive yeah. things. I was not going to touch that movie. Yeah. Devil's Baby? That's yeah. you can't escape that. Like as a human, devil's baby, you I would just I would just take pills and go go to sleep forever. I if I knew I had the devil's baby. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a good question because, what? you know, you're supposed, your to, you're, spo- you're supposed to kill the devil's baby. You're like, if you have the devil's baby, you're supposed to kill the devil's baby. Right, but that's so much effort. You know, he's it's, very strong. It's very- a big, broad gesture that you're that you, no one's gonna like let slide. Right. You so- know, they're not gonna be like, oh, oh, wait, you, the kid that your kid that you just killed was the <laughs> devil's baby. Oh, well, then fuck it. Go. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for murdering your own child. Yeah, but you know the devil's baby is going to put up a good fight. Yeah. And I don't have the enough energy or courage in me. I would just, I wouldn't be able to find the will to wake up another day and go, today I have to keep fighting this devil, this baby that's mine. Right. No. Yeah, you no. should probably just pack up and leave it. You know, yeah. Or put it, yeah. you know, drop it in front of a fire department. I think you can do that without, you know, like fire departments are places where you can just drop off babies. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I used to hear all these tales about. Yes, a baby I think hos- hospitals and fire departments. Right. I think you can just drop baby. Way there's no the reason past- that I have that in my mind. I mean, I'm not. It's not like there's a. Bu- I got a bunch of babies <laughs> I need to get rid of. Way in the past, it was a. Ch- it was churches. Yes, or you could just drop them right on the orphanage door. That's, that's right. That, that's in a lot of movies, you know. They yeah, drop yeah, them right yeah. Up, you know. I want like a new, yeah, like what's the 2020 version? Like a pizzeria? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now, why do you think it is that you have a trouble watching more difficult material? I mean, usually, especially comedians, I mean, yeah, there's laughter, but there's also kind of a darkness to lots of comedy. You know, there's yeah. kind of a a morbid sense of laughing at things that are scary and, and, and right. deep. 
you know, <laughs> diffusing a situation like that. Yeah. Why do you think it is that you're so... Have you ever been able to watch horror movies? Have you ever been able to? No. And Andy, Andy, you are so good. I know what you're doing to me. <laughs> that's, what, no, that's, it's, it's... that's what this show is all about. Right. Yes. Yes. We're getting to those questions. Yes. Um, yeah. No, it's... It's it's I've always had a hard time watching things, I think, because well, I carry I carry like a sort of general sadness with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, like so my mom, my mom suffers from schizophrenia and it's something that, you know, I she was more diagnosed later in my life. So like when I was 19, but she was always displaying uh, symptoms of it. Um, since I was a baby and because she still suffers from it and she has epilepsy and my grandma still takes care of her, you know, there's, there's this guilt that I carry, you know, I go visit them and I, I care for them and bring them things when they need, but there's kind of a guilt where out of all things I get to do comedy (laughs) while they're still in this situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know, but I've always had this sort of, is it a bleeding heart? Like, no, literally, like, my heart truly hurts if I see uh, scenes in a movie that are, um, where someone's hurting. And it's it's really hard for me to even, um, I get really sad and it's hard for me to go to sleep. Nighttime is the worst when I even think about that's what's happening, you know? in general in the world and then i know that's what's happening with my mom her medication doesn't really work Ah. so um it was this weird thing where you know she gets seizures with her epilepsy and then she gets she hears voices and hallucinates with her schizophrenia but the medication for both they cancel each other out so we had to choose which one to uh, focus on and we said let's focus on the seizures because that's more like more immediately fatal yes right so she still hears voices like every day for uh-huh. a few for hours at a time she still gets seizures too a few few times a week so you know it's this kind of i think and it's something i've more recognized recently where i i thought i was just like a really sensitive person i was like i don't know why i cry you know in every movie like in the secret life of pets even you know Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know why i do that but then recently i've been writing about it more in my comedy and um and i think that's when i realized oh there's this underlying sadness that i feel because of that because of my mom's situation yeah no i um that makes uh that is nothing but logical that you would be like that because you're already carrying around. You wake up with a big bag of stress that most people don't have. So you're already carrying around more stress probably than the average person just because you have this kind of, you know, that kind of family for the most part aren't going anywhere. Illness isn't going anywhere. And when you combine those two, it's just there's nothing to do other than just cope, and if you if that means you don't get to watch The Omen, then that's a small price to pay. You know? <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, I wish I could be the kind of person that I can escape by watching something more horrid. Yeah. I feel like right. Some people like- have that. Yeah, some people. 
they take and in fact i think a lot of horror fans that's mm-hmm. their they react to trauma in their life by right. it somehow helps them i don't know it makes them feel like well at least there's no vampires you know <laughs> like like exactly. that world's full of vampires there's no vampires in my world Right, right. And I I have a hard time doing that where I could be like, well, at least I don't have the devil's baby. Instead, right. I would start seeing my mom in the devil's baby or something. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and I'll be yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is I can relate. It's too relatable. <laughs> well, your folks met at a, on a game show. Did I read? Yeah, my so my parents, my my mom and grandma flew out to Japan. They signed up for this like dating game show situation. And then they flew out. They got. They were like, "Yes, your your application, like we like it. Come out." Because they flew. How out old, How old was your mom? My mom was in her thirties. So oh, you wow. know, they were like, oh, "Oh, this is her last, you know, chance to find someone." You know, back in the day. Yeah. She, had she never been married? She'd never been married, and she never had like a partner. So. They were like, you know, what's wrong with her, right? She's like 32. Yeah. Um, And this is in the 80s. So, yeah, so they flew out, and then it was this weird game show. By the way, it's kind of like a shame in my family that this happened. So I talk about it openly. But again, because, like, and I th- that's a part of my guilt is, like, I have this, like, privilege where I get, I do comedy. I talk about my yeah, family. Yeah. I talk about these things when some of these things to them are, like, God, I wish you just studied and did something else. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now you're, but but I've I've talked about it enough. So um, anyway, they the, it, the what, game, what is the what is the shame of it that she was single for so long or that that would be they funny. met on a game show. I mean, what was it's, what what I did think, they or is it just that it's personal? Like, is it just a general sort of distaste for airing personal facts? I guess I never asked them exactly which one it was. It would be funny though if it was because she was too old. <laughs> yeah, if that I mean, was the reason. I'd be like, "Well, then get over it." Yeah, no shit. <laughs> but um, I don't. I I wonder if it's because it was like on a game show, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but I don't know. Again, like. You signed up for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew it. You had to. You had to go to a different country. I'm to just do trying it. to cope. Yeah, with yeah. Fact, with the fact that I ended up here and I'm trying every goddamn day, and you yeah. made it happen because of a right. damn game show. Right. Exactly. You were in in many ways the grand prize. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's and like that's not a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure, Andy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. So, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I do comedy. This. Is, <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen? The, the beginning circumstances were not ideal. Yeah, so, they were weird. Yeah, so it's like the men lined up on one side, and then the women lined up on the other side, and um, the men got to choose based on the number on the women's chest. Like they go number thirteen, and they ask questions. If the women answered in their liking um, enough times, they would then get a date. Nobody I wins see. on the show is more like you walk off and then we don't follow you for the rest of your romance. And they, yeah, I think yeah. they do updates like so and so and so and so are now married from this right. show. Um, so it was very. It was the 80s, though. They didn't know that you really need that follow through. Oh, God. You need the yeah. B rolls. You need the follow through. Yeah. You need challenges. Okay. It's like whatever that old 
Is it the checkoff? There's some rule in the theater that if you show a gun in the first act, it's, it's got to get fired. That's an improv rule, too. Like, don't ever bring a gun into it because somebody has to get shot. And it's right. the same thing on a game show. It's like, look, if you're going to hook them up, we got to see what happens. We got yeah. You got to give us the, you know, if the gun went off, you got to yeah. let us know. How boring just to be like, okay, we're checking in on couple there they number, go. couple number three. Here is their wedding picture. And it's like, <laughs> well, so shit. Did, did they, I mean, did they hit it off or do you think that it was just kind of like, was your dad older or was he younger than your mom? My dad was older and he just went through a divorce and he uh-huh. had two two kids. And um, yeah, and, and it was like my mom's first anything <laughs> you know so yeah it, it was it was hard for them to see eye to eye but at first supposedly there was a lot of lust which is my parents always tell me there's a lot of lust and i don't know what they're trying to do to me when they say that but because you know i don't want to really hear about it but they always yeah. like one time my dad told me that my mom accused him of being with her just for sex and i was like well God damn, Dad! Like, you have to prep me before you tell me <laughs> that you you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you were no. you were you were with my mom for the sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so these two hotties, <laughs> just yeah. So because they also didn't really speak each other's language, they spoke broken English to each other. So it had to be. It was all lust. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of lust. It was a lot, well, of especially lust. on your mom's part. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. 30 years of pent up. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Horny. Yeah. <gasps> I didn't think about that. Yeah. She yeah. was just, and yeah, she was just like, um, divorcee, <laughs> so hot. Like, you know what I mean? Just like extra wisdom. You yeah, know? yeah. Give it to me. Uh- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, this is what, this is what everyone was talking about. Yeah. The sex stuff. I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, were they together? I mean, how how soon did you come along? And did they get married right away? Or, I mean, how did that work? Yeah, I guess they went on like three dates and then they got married. And then I... Your came, mom moved to Japan? My mom moved to Japan. She just picked up and said, this is the guy? Yeah. Because he asked me a few questions. Uh, can you imagine if podcasts were around? My mom would just marry just whoever... I, she like, would have married Mark Marin. <laughs> I guess that's not. I guess she was just married people on the streets that just asked her any questions <laughs> about her. Yeah, you if she know? was here for the census, she'd be married to the census. <laughs> I worry about her, but um, yeah, no, they they got married pretty quick, and then and then I was there very fast too. I I was like, yeah. I I I came out like a year into their marriage, so. And then they got a divorce right after I came out. It yeah. was short-lived, short-lived, lustful romance. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and I was the product that came out of that. Yeah. Well, it was worth it. I mean, you're pretty great. Thank you so much. Thank Don't you. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I do think that. But do yeah. they think that, you know? But, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't have... I don't have time to ask them these questions, you know? No, absolutely. Well, it's the kind of, somebody asked me, like it was, it was, because I didn't really, I mean, I didn't care one way or the other about my dad being gay. Mm -hmm. And really, 
I mean, and I didn't even he. Did, I mean, he told me and my brother that that was the reason that they got divorced. Maybe when I was like, I want to say seven or eight, and my mm-hmm. brother was, you know, ten or eleven, something like that. Right. But I didn't, you know, I didn't like tell my friends because I grew up in a small town. I didn't like go like, "Hey guys, I just found out my dad's gay." No. Uh, you know, was, and I, but I didn't like purposely keep it a secret or anything. But like. When I started telling friends, like my friends in high school about it, um, and people would meet my dad because he, you know, he'd come for holidays still. My mom and my dad, after initially a couple of years of, you know, after they broke up, but throughout my life, they were still, they went back to being friends, which is kind of where they had started. And especially with my aunt, the three of them were friends, you know, continuingly or continuously. And that was... Uh, it was really a nice thing. You know, it was nice that there wasn't like, I mean, there was conflict, but that's because they're all crazy. It's not (laughs) because, you know, it's not because it's not because it was toxic or anything. Right. Or that, that, that just this general love had disappeared. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's so great to hear that they were able to just continue being friends. And it's so interesting. It's like they went back to how they first met. Kind of, a... yeah. That was that's the most natural state for them, you know. Yeah, that's and that's they like... all really enjoyed each other's company. They liked, you know, they right. they were they were especially my mom or my dad and my aunt were really really funny people, mm. and that was kind of, I mean, my aunt. It's my aunt Pat, and she actually just died uh, May first uh after having alzheimer's for a long time oh i'm time. so and sorry she's a, it's okay i mean thank you uh it, you know because it, it the thing about alzheimer's is, is it you get a long time to say goodbye because sure the person that you knew leaves gradually not like all at once so you know when right. she did die there wasn't like a whole lot of who she had been still left there when you would see her or talk mm-hmm. to her Sure, sure. But she certainly was a huge inspiration for me, just in terms of being so funny. And like I said, I I, I just put something online about her, and I just I went after she passed, and I just said she insisted on having fun. Yeah. Which was just like, there's been very few people in my life that are like that. And it's something that I, I mean, I'm not like a big, <laughs> you know, like a huge personality or something, or some big flamboyant parade float but i do, <laughs> you know like i do kind of especially like in work time situations mm-hmm. i i it's we got to be having fun or else what's the fucking point yeah you know, like, i see that in you yeah though. yeah yeah a I, genuine silliness yeah yeah no it's like because it's fun it's fun it's like you know whispering to each other in church to try and crack each other up is like one of the best things in the world and in a world that's trying to be serious to you know Right. To make somebody next to you laugh is the just the best thing in the world. Um, yeah. I would like to see a giant parade float of you though. <laughs> Has that happened yet? Because when you said that, it, it just so it's, many ideas I'm, came to mind. I'm calling my estate planner. I'm going to put that in my will. That I'll, just <laughs> a big parade float. I'll I'll try and die. I'll try and die right around the the first of the year so the the Rose Bowl parade. I can be in that. <laughs> Just yeah, a, or just you know, you can still be alive. Nobody said you had to die. Oh, all right, okay. You you're alive for this. You're not float. a stickler. Yeah, okay. You're, no, because 
there's a huge float that's an Andy Richter, right? Maybe sure. you're maybe you're like Superman flying t- kind of, over, you know? <laughs> and then you need to be on the float too. You're the reveal. Okay. You're the reveal. The smaller Andy coming out of the float Andy. Right. Like my but, belly cracks open and then it's me. It's like me giving birth to me. Exactly. The rebirth. I'm writing this down right now. <laughs> I, it's being recorded. I don't know why I'm writing it down. It's being uh, recorded and we put it out <laughs> into the universe. I, I mean, you are kind of a, yeah, you're a giant float. You're a fun boy, a giant float, Andy. <laughs> well, getting, uh, I, I got off track with my aunt, but um, when I, what I was saying was that like when I was in high school and I started telling friends about my gay dad, I, and it never occurred to me to ask this, but like friends would say, well, do you feel like you shouldn't even be here? You know, like that if everybody had just done what they wanted to do, that you wouldn't exist because you were somehow fathered by someone who wasn't really supposed to be in a yeah. relationship with a woman. And I was like, I, don't, I, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. And and I still and like in the point I just ended up. Because it, I did think about it. You know, I, I'm, it never really troubled me, but it, I did think about it when people would ask me that. Right. And and I, I just kind of felt like, well, who cares? I'm here. Yeah, you know? I know. I, mean, I was going to say. You know, I could have been like, uh, you know. What, what's up with your existential a lab friends? Experiment. I don't <laughs> right. Super existential. They're very deep. Very, a lot of deep kids in Yorkville, Illinois. Jesus, um, yeah, just little kids yeah. being like, "Well, were you technically ever supposed to be here?" What I thought, yeah. well, we're aren't we playing tag? You weren't just playing. <laughs> you, they were asking you deep questions like this. Yeah. I mean, what, well, I, but it like, is it it does touch on a thing of like every kid mm-hmm. wants to know that they're they were welcomed that they That's, you know right. that, you know and I and I wonder if that was anything that ever kind of crept into into your existence when you were younger or as you, you know, as you sort of figuring out who you were as you got older? Yeah. No, I've, I've definitely come to terms with the fact that, um, we don't, (laughs) we don't ever really come here with like a super welcome (laughs) into this world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first off, none of us asked for this, you know, nobody, (laughs) it was all a surprise to all of us. You know, yeah, we we come out crying as babies uh-huh. because we're so surprised, right? Yeah. What is this? Well, place? it's nice and warm, and you know you're in fluid, and then all of a sudden, right? It's all this light and all these noises. Yeah, and... ugly hospital fluorescent yeah. lights. Yeah. you know, uh, you know. I've and... seen. I mean, I've seen children get born. I've seen two children get born. Yeah. Because uh, they seem children... stoked. Do they seem stoked or surprised? <laughs> uh, that my my son uh they no they didn't they came like my my daughter definitely came out looking like <laughs> like she smelled shit like the look on her face is like what the fuck is going on and they, and that was there was like a full minute of that as they you know cuz they're wiping her off and sucking uh, you know like using a right. little siphon thing to suck out her mouth and she's just looking around and then the crying then just the kind of the you Got know it. the crying started which is almost a, a mechanical thing you know like they need to get air into their lungs so yes that's, I, yeah. I heard i heard that yeah um, but um i always interpreted it as also like what a metaphor you know just yeah let come me out cry- screaming 
well, let me cry this out first, you know, because I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna have to deal with a lot. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. coming. There's a lot yeah. coming. So let me have my cathartic moment first, because I'm yeah. gonna mourn, and then, and then, uh, and then I'll give you a smile, okay, mom yeah. and dad, you know. <laughs> Well, that is too. I, I mean, I've never thought about the, you know, as a baby, that's the end of crying that is meant, that has like a higher purpose other than just you getting your shit out. You know, like the crying <laughs> is, you, you know, there's like biological imperatives on crying and it's, you know, yes. get lungs, get oxygen into those lungs. And then after that, it's like, get them fed. This kid's got to feed. This kid needs to get changed. This kid wants to be held. And yeah. You know, now as grown up, you're just crying for your own reasons. It's like it doesn't even you're not <laughs> it's signaling much to anybody else other than your own misery. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or happiness. I I cry. That's oh, true. Yeah. I cry mostly um, out of happiness. When I do produce tears, I have a a condition they call dry eyes, where I don't produce tears. Or yeah. something I don't know. Yeah. It's, it sounds like I'm a sociopath or something, but I, <laughs> I truly she's incapable of making tears. Her I heart truly... is calloused. I truly, yeah. I tr- for for a while I thought something was wrong with me because I really don't cry. And yeah, uh, but the only times I do, at least with tragic, sad stuff, I'll feel it in my heart, but I don't produce tears. My next, my I. I, I don't I think it's a coping mechanism from childhood but yeah. um I cry when I see somebody who deserved to like who went through a lot and they finally triumphed or something I that's when I cry like little yeah. tears will come out Yeah 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 Well that's good Yeah It's a you know it's a at least you have a it's a hopeful association with it Yeah I'm not a sociopath um, yet Yeah give it time give it time <laughs> Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't 
Can't you tell my love's a growing? So after your folks divorced, did, is that when you came to the States? Or, or did you stay in Japan? Did you go back to Taiwan? I stayed in Japan till I was 10. And then uh, my mom's hallucinations were getting really bad. Um, she was getting suicidal. Um, and Was she getting health care in Japan? Like, was she I, being treated? You know, I... Never thought to ask that. I don't, because I didn't deal with that stuff, healthcare, bureaucratic stuff. I was 10. So I didn't really ask about that. I yeah. don't know if she had, you know, proper healthcare. Yeah. But, um, but it was getting really bad. You know what? I think it's because she wasn't quite diagnosed yet at that time. Oh. oh so okay. she was just, it was temper tantrums, throwing things in the house. Uh, and then at one point, she threatened with a kitchen knife and so my grandma just was like, well, you know, I have my son who lives in the United States. Maybe we need to leave Japan. Maybe it's Japan that's causing her to get crazy. Maybe it's her environment. Yeah, and yeah. So, so she planned all this without telling me and then arranged it with my uncle that we would be living in his garage. And, but only told me we were coming here to the States for a two-month vacation. So, um, but always intending to stay, always intending to stay, wow. knowing the consequences, which is that we, our visa, our tourist visa was going to run out and that we would not have papers anymore. Wow. Um, because during was she, and your mom, your mom was a Japanese citizen at this point too, or no, she was just a resident. Yeah. I see. I even see. being married to a Japanese citizen, I guess you just, I think you just get your re- residency. I think that's how it works there. I see. And then, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we were, they were both Taiwanese citizens. I was a Japanese citizen. Boom, came here, overstayed our visa after two months, and then <laughs> we, we were undocumented. Did you, were you aware of this? Did you know that there was a technicality? Did you say, like, hey, how come we're not going home? Or, you know? I, yeah, I, I brought it up. Because you were 10, right? I was 10 and I was enrolled. Yeah. We came here during the summer, so I got enrolled in summer school. And uh, it was like a public school, summer school situation. I made a couple of friends, you know, but I was like, all right, summer is going to, you know, summer's going to have been fun and I go back to Japan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all free, free and easy. These people, I don't, I don't have to keep up with these people. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll learn some English words, but I'm not going to learn all because I'm not going to be here in two months. Right. Right. Sure, I'll learn calligraphy, Mrs. Who. I'm not going to remember your name because I'll be gone in two months. Yeah, yeah. No, no, two months passed. And then my grandma was like, hey, we're actually going to stay. We enrolled you in regular school because it's fall. And now you're going to regular school. And I just kind of went with it. And then slowly as time passed, I did ask about it. But then my grandma was always very like cryptic about it, quiet about it, you know, afraid to tell me something that would make me sad in front of my mom because she would uh, temper to it was a, it was a whole thing um yeah yeah i didn't find out till for real until i was like 17 when i wanted to drive and get a driver's license but i couldn't because i didn't have a social security number wow. ah so many it's it's a it's a lot of like numbers and stuff sure and forms <laughs> and shit that you usually don't have to worry about but they do control your life Right. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was so bummed about that, that, that number, that, that 
social security number that I was like, oh, it's holding me back from doing a lot of things. At the time, I just wanted to like be cool with my like my friends. They were yeah. all getting permits and driver's licenses. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I want to do that, too. And um, yeah, and that's when my grandma was like, OK, so here's the thing. We uh, we have been undocumented here for uh, <laughs> seven, seven years. Seven years. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. And what's your reaction to that? Just. Is there any reaction other than like, oh, shit, wow? I, I was like, I kind of knew. I was like, honestly, Grandma, I, I knew because yeah. we couldn't leave the country if we wanted to come back in, for example. So we never went back to Japan to see my dad or anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. I knew there were hints. There were there were hints all along. Yeah. Something was weird. Like, yeah. why did we leave Tokyo? Yeah. Why don't we go back to Tokyo? It's better than living cramped in this garage. <laughs> Were you still in the garage at 17? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, yeah, like, so it must have been really bad. I wasn't there for all of the fights, all of the, you know, when I was at school. Who knows how my mom's uh, psychosis was getting in Japan. It must have been that bad that we were willing to come here illegally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah, and, and, uh. So that's 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 that story. Oh, I'm going through identity theft now. Like now that I have like a social. You mean you're and, learning how to do it? I'm 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 learning how to deal with it. Oh, oh, deal oh. with it. I thought you had you were out stealing people's identities. Oh my god, it's very some, lucrative. Look, people. Well, you can buy like driver's licenses and stuff from like the park and stuff. That I found that out later. Uh, the, yeah, mostly, yeah. mostly kids who want to go to bars do this. Yes, I don't know. Yeah, if you, fake IDs. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever have a fake ID, or you you just probably were able to drink, right? No, I age. never had a I never had a fake ID. And but when I went to when I where I started college, I went to University of Illinois and in Urbana Champaign, and they kind of had like these weird laws where you could get into bars in one town because they're neighboring town. They're like, they're twin towns. Like, you know, like it, uh, you're on one street, you go over a street and you're in the other town. So, you Got know, it. Right. and in one town you could, you could go to bars when you were 18. Mm. And then in the, in the other town you could go to bars when you were 19. So in Urbana, which was the town, oh, it was all freshmen in the bar yeah. and you could buy drinks Right. But you're always under risk of the police coming in and raiding and the bartender getting arrested and everybody getting fined or something. Right. And, but it was, you know, but that would only happen occasionally just to keep people on their toes. Right. It's one of those sort of, you know, kind of. Just be careful. Garden variety ca corruption. You know, like we, <laughs> everybody knew that the law was being broken in a big way. Mm -hmm. But it, people were making money from it. Like the bar, I'm sure that the cops right. were getting paid off. I'm sure that like every every big campus bar that yeah. was serving to 85% underage kids was paying somebody off because there's that's the only way something like that can work. So wow, yeah. So no, no fake ideas. But my, my, now uh, somebody, I, I'm aware of children uh, that are <laughs> uh, younger than 21 who have fake IDs. I'm not saying it's my kid, um, but I will say that in the last couple of years, I have found out that there is a couple that lives in the valley 
uh-huh. who their entire job is making fake IDs for L.A. teenagers. Wow. That's been their job for years, and they are good. They have they to be. They are good. Well, they've kept their job for years. And yes. They, and their anonymity, they are good. Yes, yes. You know? That's yep. very difficult. I tried to order one from Dubai once, and then it just, I just, of course, it was a scam. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just Never took your money it. and forget it. Yeah. This whole time, I could have been hitting up a couple in the valley. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you could have. You would never have had to, you know, do anything. You could have just kept being a, a, a maverick, a wild yeah. child on the other side of the law. Props. I like this. I, I, I like these people. I like people who are, well, you know, <laughs> because the law isn't fair for everyone. I'm, I'm not that no, I'm saying. Of course. Of not course. That, not that I'm saying kids should drink. But like 18, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of backwards stuff, right? Like if you, yeah, if you have to wait till 21 to drink, but 18 to be able to serve in the military, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, 18. Keep it 18. It's, yeah, I mean, they do it in Europe. But I mean, we're a lot dumber here. And our car culture here, I think, makes it so. It would be easier to have kids, you know. Too many people drive here. That's where booze gets in the way of stuff. Right. Uh, is you know, is that too many people drive here, so they can't keep let kids behind the wheel when they're drinking. But um, I understand. But that. when so what? How did you get, end up getting to to where you could do like? How did you go to college if you didn't have a social security number? I mean, how does all that stuff kind of happen? So I so that year we. We've been, my grandma had been secretly applying us to the uh, visa diversity lottery program. Uh huh. Or it's called the diversity, yeah, diversity visa lottery program. One of those, one of those combination of words. Um, yes. It's, it's, uh, it's the program where you, it's a lottery. You put in your name and then they draw 55,000 names out and then those people get green cards. Oh, so, wow. She was applying every year for seven the the seven years we were here uh illegally and pretending we still lived in Japan. So yeah. um and you have a higher chance if you come from a country that doesn't have that many people here. That's why I they, see. they're tr- it's like they're trying to keep America diverse, you know. So you have right. a big chance like if you're from Norway or something. Sure. But like who wants who from Norway wants to come here? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, but yeah, I understand. Like, it is like there's plenty of people coming here from El Salvador, but there's not too many coming here from Kazakhstan. So, you know. Right. So they're trying to do that. And then Japan, you know, where we came from, happened to have a low, um, pretty low amount of um, immigrants coming in, too. Um, And so uh, it just happened... Well, for seven years, she applied for us, and we never got it. And then on the seventh it year... It took seven years, yeah. Yeah, our names yeah. got drawn, all three of our names. And that's how we got the green card. How soon was this after the realization that you couldn't get a driver's license? I think just very recent, like a, maybe like a year. Oh, wow. And then, and then I got my driver's license after that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go to college right out of high school, or I was did. there a gap? Yeah. I went, yeah, I got to go right after high school. Everything yeah. kind of worked out. Yeah, I, and some people might think I'm like a witch about it, but like, or crystal-y about it. I don't own crystals, but, you know, I always think like life has a way of balancing itself out, you know? Yeah. 
in a I weird think way. I, I, I'm not at all what one would call spiritual or religious or anything, but I think that that is true. I think that sometimes there is some kind of yeah. magical alignment of things that happen when they need to happen and, you know. Totally. Like, yeah. people are, I mean, I hope that, you know, like, uh, for example, um, uh, my grandma just found out she's allergic to gluten. She's 85. Wow. She she's she just found out she can't eat bread. How shitty, you know, life is yeah, cruel. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And but and I think about it, you know, my mom has schizophrenia and epilepsy and that's what she has to deal with and that's fucking shitty too. But, yeah. But thank God, you know. Thank goodness she can still eat bread, you know? And I I was <laughs> I was thinking about this and I was like yeah, because there's no way. Can you imagine if my mom also found out she was allergic to gluten? <laughs> like now? It's too much. I, I would be like, come on, give her something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, give, exactly. Give her something. And so yeah. little things like that I always think about, you know, like if someone, if someone's like, yeah, I think life has a way of at least trying to be fair sometimes. Yeah. Well, I, I look at my own life and there's just like, usually it's, it's like with, when I was starting out as an adult and working and things, there were lots of points at which I can look back and think like, man, if that job didn't come through, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck I would have done. Like I was, I had nothing. And then all of a sudden, like this door opened up and oh, you know, and I can do that. Yeah. So timing wise, definitely. Timing wise, it it was helpful and maybe saved you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now uh, you went to college at arts. You went to art school, right? I went to art school. I went to Cal Arts, yes, for uh, for masters. After I could have fig- undergrad, I hopped around a lot. I dropped out and then ended up actually getting my bachelor's out of like this special program out of a community college. But art school, yes. Art school, I got it. Oh, really? Yeah. Real easy for grad school, yeah. Well, when you were all over during your undergraduate, were you still living at home? Were you, did you live at home the whole time? I mean, at what point do you, do you get out from under? Yeah, I moved in with my first boyfriend at the time. So I was already like, I'm trying to be independent. I found yeah. a boy. And so I was, <laughs> I was like living with him yeah. in, in the valley and then going to community college out there. And yeah. Yeah, and then... The art school that I went to happened to be out there too. I in Santa Clarita. I, Santa Clarita, yeah, that's yeah. where the art school is, which is yeah. not a very artsy place. Santa no. Clarita is it's a weird. It's a weird place to have an yeah. art school. Yeah. I know. I feel bad for this. Like, I think that's why that art school is notorious for like its crazy parties and and um, drugs and all that because yeah, you're. Once you step off of campus, you're you realize you're in Santa Clarita. Yes. So the students have no choice but to just get on all these psychedelics and just right. escape and, and have just... sex with each other and yeah, yeah, and, totally yeah. and yeah, yeah, and make art or whatever some of the yeah, stuff it was is. called. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like such a collection of weirdos in one of the most normy norm normal towns. It's such uh, a normie town. Yeah. 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 Just like, I don't even, that's where I met my first Karens, you know, it was in Santa Clarita. <laughs> I didn't know what they were. I had yeah, no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up with middle-aged white women, you know, who who were conservative and asked to speak to the manager. That wasn't yeah, a part yeah, of my yeah. life. 
Yeah. And so um, that was the first time I met a bunch of Karens. Yeah. Wow. What was your medium in art school? Uh, I was film video and critical studies. So critical studies was a fancy way of saying a creative writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got in with my stand up comedy material, actually. Oh, for, really? For so that. you were, when did you start doing stand up? I've been doing stand up. I started when I, uh, I started 10 years ago. And, uh, but when I got into grad school, I, because I double majored, I, I, I took, I had to, I couldn't do stand up as much. So for like three years, I was kind of like not able to do it as much. Um, I, I hoped that the art school would let me use my stand up comedy there because that's what I got in with the material. But once yeah. you're at art school, there's just no where to really implement comedy. It's, Comedy was something that was really missing in art school, you know. I yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I can I can imagine. Uh, my my son is an artist and is in art school, and it yeah. definitely like just from, he's in fashion, right? Or fashion or he's design. in design. He he now he's kind of like not sure what he's going to do. He he went his freshman year uh, was at a school in New York City, and he studied design. But he, right. he's he doesn't want he didn't like living in New York. And yeah. he didn't like studying design, and he decided. So I think he's just going to go back to painting. He's a very talented painter, and yeah. uh, and it, he, he, it's just funny because I think he was really excited about moving to New York because it's just such a sophisticated, cool thing to say. Like I'm going to go live in Manhattan for sure, or I'm going to go. And then I think he was there about two months, and he was like. It's cold and dirty and stinks, and the room uh, my <laughs> my dorm room is tiny, and I don't get any space anywhere. And he just like he actually told me it uh, after a few months there. He's like, I miss riding in a car. So yeah, so he's gonna he's gonna do something back here. He's kind of in the middle of the shuffle of what he's gonna do. And I mean, and now right. especially like. Going to art school over the internet is not optimal. You know? <laughs> like going to design school over Zoom does not work. So he may even he may even take a year off depending on what happens yeah. because it's a waste of money and time to go to art school on the computer. So no, but I but getting back to your point, I yeah the sense of humor thing and having done a little bit of art, like I took. Some art classes in college and like uh, some photography classes. And I did see like, because I would just kind of naturally try and do stuff that was funny. Right. And it would, sometimes it was okay, but other times I was almost scolded. Like, <laughs> you know, because I think that they thought, you know, like I, like I took, I, I just remember doing something because I was always struck by the overblown descriptions of, of, art photographs yes like just the self-seriousness and stuff yeah so like i think i did like some very i did something that was like an assignment where you're like where you're supposed to take four shots of something or it may even been in a photo booth or something but that very mundane kind of they're married mundane photographs and then i wrote like 10 pages of bullshit (laughs) of like of like really self-serving bullshit about what it all meant. Yes. And the teacher, the teacher read it and she read it. She read the whole thing in class. And, and she said, you know, this is all very funny. And she said, but um, maybe you should concentrate on learning how to take photographs before you start making fun of taking photographs. <gasps> Andy. Wow. And I was like, okay, that's, that's, you got me. Dang, that's but I was harsh. also kind of like, 
I was also like, I wasn't making fun of taking photographs. I was making fun of the self-seriousness of the people that take photographs, which maybe she took offense to, you know, although she seemed pretty cool. Right. But yeah, there was no room for funny. There was no room. The main thing I remember from that class is there was a guy, every assignment, there was this like very quiet, mousy guy, and it, he was uh, always nude. Like his, <laughs> his photographs are always self-portraits <laughs> and always nude, showcasing his enormous penis. <laughs> you know? Like, I feel like, like It's like I brought my sense of humor. That's what I have to bring to this class. How come he gets to bring his enormous penis? I and know. I have to squelch my humor. And then you know? you're punished if you even laugh about it. <laughs> I know, I because, know. Because that's art, and it's and it yeah. means more than a, a large penis. It's not just, yes. it's not just eggplant Thursday. Yes. <laughs> he's like, well, and it is like, okay, if he does one project where he's nude, but after, after the fifth one, it's like, okay, this is more about you showing off that hog than it is about. Your artistic vision, I yeah, think. There weren't enough consequences for people who were also getting it getting out of art easily as well, but in this serious way. Does yeah, that make yeah. sense? Like yes. in fact what you were trying to do is actually like um there was a commentary there about like this history of like of art school and and the art world, which is very elitist and very serious. And you were actually commenting on that, which is actually art in itself. Right. Meanwhile, people take the easy route and be like, uh, I mean, you know that he was just every week for the assignment, just like, uh, I don't have an idea naked, you know? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I'll just yeah. get nude, nude again. Yep. You know, that's it also seems the to easy work. way out. Yeah, it's a crowd pleaser. Yeah, or just like, yeah. or there was always, um, like, there was always a film about, a film of, uh, People, or photographs of homeless people, right? That was like art school one-on-one. Everyone yeah. did the photos of homeless people. Or Yeah, film school was uh, movies about suicide. <laughs> In your early film school classes, like there was, you, there, you know, say there were like 15 kids in the class, and there were, so there were 15 films. Eight of them would be about suicide. Wow. Like just, yeah, yeah. Because I went to film school the last two years of my, I started out, just in general liberal arts stuff. And then I went moved to Chicago and started at, at film school. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of really like film school. You're in there for five minutes and you realize like, oh shit, I'm a cliche. The kid right. next to me is a cliche. We're all cliches. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting, but no, still no room for laughter. Like, yeah, let's at least laugh about the fact that we're cliches. Like, yes. I, you know, right. Like, yeah, yeah. But then let's like, did you see? Okay, so during the Black Lives Matter protest, there was one in there was one in Utah where a woman, um, a white woman, uh, just completely nude, is shitting on a cop car. Did you see that photo? <laughs> no. So- oh, wow, that really that is like some that is some ballsy <laughs> performance. I don't know if I could perform under such <laughs> yeah <laughs> such scrutiny. Buck naked. Just squatting, pooping on a cop car, and and you gotta see the people around her, the protesters around her. They they look shocked. They look upset, visibly upset. They're like, "This is not what we were talking about." You know what I mean? <laughs> you can see the Black Lives Matter protesters, the organizers with their masks on, just like, what "Don't the do hell? that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell did our movement turn into? 
You know what I mean? Uh, uh, it turned into a movement. Get it? <laughs> a bowel movement. Nobody was there to say that, Andy. Yeah. You, you that's, that's the wrong kind of movement. And I was upset when I saw this because I was like, this is the kind of shit, like, uh, this woman just, like, co-opting a movement. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, she was just like, you know, I've like, to do her performance art piece that was rejected by the... Her reject, like she want, she's been wanting to do at her local community theater. Right, but, right. But they kept rejecting her proposal, and she was right. like, "Now this is the time." Right. <laughs> I could not afford to rent a cop car for my class, <laughs> so now I'm going to use one for free. And to do it on command, I don't know. I guess that's the only thing that I was like, "Yeah, pretty impressive." I guess it is. I, I like I said, I don't think I could. I don't think I could perform. I it just like. Under that kind of pressure, yeah. it's really yeah. hard to try to be funny to to then force your body like psychosomatically somehow. Yeah, right. To push out, and a it's curve. a slippery surface. Like you know, you could easily, right. you know, you need some traction when squatting. Yeah, totally. And a car hood is not the place. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, <laughs> we. <laughs> that's well, that's art school. Yeah, just yeah, that would be a project in and of itself. Just. Go through all the footage of the protests and do artistic critiques of everyone's choices. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, black dildo, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I I endorse throwing dildos at the police. Good job. <laughs> You're showing the the you know the like impotence, you know the the rigidity yet the impotence of the of the patriarchy. Right, no. so 2020, yeah, yeah. and then you have to list the materials because that's what they do in art. So, like, silicone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> silicone, <laughs> arm strength, <laughs> aim. Why do they do that? Why do we list the materials that the art is made out of? When I do don't we... know. I don't know. Is this so that it's like a recipe? Is this so that you can recreate it at home? I, I... No, genuine question. I don't know. I guess maybe it's so that, for other artists to know exactly what they're looking at, you know. Well, because it's always like the things like gouache, you know. (laughs) You know, like there would be, it'd be like gouache. And then it's like, oh, there's egg in there. Like, I don't know. I guess it's just, you know. Right, Because isn't that what gouache is? Isn't that like some kind of tainting mixed with eggs, I think? Uh, I guess. I I, I always thought it was, it's like a pan dish, like a hot dish or no that's goulash oh see i don't know what a goulash is <laughs> it's g-o-u-a-c-h-e and it's some kind of i think it's like and it's like an ancient technique you know like going back to the renaissance of some kind of paint that had <laughs> oh, and i yes. think it had eggs in it yeah got it that's so interesting and it sounds just like the other egg dish yeah goulash yeah yeah oh, yeah, yeah yeah no goulash is a stew is a spicy oh stew central european stew Right, right. Hungarian, right. I think, with lots of uh, paprika. Gu- anyway. Gu- gouache. Sometimes, and then sometimes it's just like banana, duct tape, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Found objects. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what, uh, I mean, did you, when you were in grad school, did you finish grad school? I did finish grad school. That I finished. And mm-hmm. did you, uh, <laughs> and did you, I mean, what did you, were you just like, I'm going to be a stand up or did you have any, were you going to use that degree for something else? Well, I was so bummed that I wasn't able to really like use my comedy in art school and that it wasn't, they weren't allowing too much space for it that, um, and I was like, oh, it's been 
I spent three years here. You know, those three years of my life, I could have just been doing stand up. And so I just like hit stand up harder when I graduated. Um, I taught uh, film for one year in community college too, like during that time when I was like mm-hmm. getting back out with comedy. Um, like filmmaking or film theory, film criticism? Uh, they All they gave me was um, cinema, <laughs> just general cinema. So I, I just showed movies and I would talk about it with my students. That's what I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, for a year. And yeah, then, yeah. And uh, that was wearing on me too. I, 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 I was just getting hit with like realizations like I'm not meant to work like a nine to five. I'm not that great at teaching, you know, but what I like was always good at was like performing and like, you know, arts in a performative way, you know, comedy. Um, So like being a filmmaker or writing poems, that wasn't for me unless it had, unless I was able to perform it. So, so it it was good because I learned what I was and wasn't and, you know, made a few films in the uh, process of it, you know? Yeah. 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 And, do you, uh, are you, when, how long is it before you're sort of like making a living at comedy? Mm, yeah. Yeah. They always say, what do they say? They say, they say about 10 years, right? They say about 10 years. Is that, I don't know. Who's they? It, it, I, I feel yeah, like it, I read it, a, And it also, it varies. I mean, you know, because every time you say 10 years, there's somebody that it took 20 and then there's somebody that it took two weeks, you know? No, that's very true. Yeah, that's very true. I feel like right after grad school, yeah, I started getting requests to tour and doing colleges. Um, Did you have a manager that was booking things for you at that point? No, I very much was still like solo. What happened was right before grad school, you know, me and a couple of friends were trying to figure out in the comedy world, because at the time it was still like, kind of toxic you know going out as women you know to do shows and you know what year was this Mm, so i first started 2010 yeah and then even in like even during that time like 2011 2012 yeah it was you know it was still very male dominant and still is yeah yeah still is and and the shows, you know, if they book a female comic, they wouldn't want to book a second one because then, you know, or it definitely they wouldn't put you back to back in the lineup, you know, because they want to spurs out the diversity or whatever. Yeah, right? sure, sure. So yeah. things like that. And then it wasn't as easy to like get stage time. I, You know, I also didn't feel safe being out so late at night waiting for stage time and then being alone and then having to drive back to Santa Clarita, you know? So, so at the time, um, me and a couple of girlfriends started an all Asian, mostly female standup tour. The first ever one in the U S uh, called disoriented comedy. And it was kind of a way to, you know, create a space for people who comedy clubs weren't initially built for, you know? And so like we had the, we had the talents and, and, the audience even, you know, we just weren't able to, so we were, but we were like, let's create that safe space for people right now um, while the comedy community catches up and tries to figure this out, right? Yeah. Figure, figure out this misogyny and 
racism and homophobia as the, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. we we can't wait for them we'll never perform <laughs> right so right. so we started touring we started touring as a group and then it 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 um and then we branched out where we had um other uh other comedians of color and then queer comedians and then i and then so as we toured yeah we started doing that and then even when i was in grad school i was touring with them but not mostly as college college gigs though i would imagine right yeah colleges because yeah, not- clubs aren't gonna you know no. Say a group of Asian women, a night of group of a, a funny Asian women doing comedy. I can't see a club back then going. Right. Oh, that sounds like we'll sell drinks. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 totally. And, and like people would show up, but for other reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, so I think right after that, you know, uh, we continued for a couple of more years, but it was it was hard because then we started getting requests individually as comedians to tour and and even do comedy clubs and hard know, to keep the band together it was hard to keep the band together but it was yeah. good it's because like the comedy community was starting to like you know create more spaces for yeah. folks even comedy clubs were as people who ran them also changed or retired or you yeah. know brought in someone younger that was more uh, willing to do that you know keep, right keep lineups actually diverse, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, so that's because of that. I think because I, we, I was part of starting something. Um, I was able to start making whatever money out of, from doing comedy faster and, and getting myself out there and et cetera, et cetera. That, so that's, you know, I don't know. That was maybe six, seven years into doing comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, were you, uh, are you, do you still, or I mean now, forget about COVID. I mean, before this all started, were you, were you traveling much? Were you doing the kind of road kind of stuff or did you mostly kind of stay within a city or book yourself for a couple nights at a city and then go back home? Yeah, I was more like I had shows for a few nights in a city and I would come home. Because a lot of me working was out of L.A. with comedy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, You know, with, with Let's Go Let's Go, with podcasts and then the monthly show. Yeah, um, yeah. And then um, whether if, you know, sometimes I was like a creative consultant on an adult swim show and et cetera. I would, I would so a lot of the work was in L.A. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm not like a road comic. Right, know? right. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, because it, well... I can't imagine. I, just the life of a road comic to me—the little bit of the little taste of like the road, yeah. with air quotes around it—that I have had <laughs> just makes me think like, oh my god, how did? Yeah, how, I don't know if I'd be alive if I had to tour. You know, me too. I just can't. It's very unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. I have separation anxiety from just like home in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I like security. I like keeping my circles kind of close in that like, like I don't go camping. Like I don't do things like that. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I haven't really like, I'm open to it, but I just never um, was proactive about going camping or hiking yeah. even. Uh, I, I, you know, that's just been my life. I, I don't know why. Um I just like knowing things. Maybe it is because I didn't know things for a long. I didn't know the status of my, you know, residency here, for example. You know, maybe that's yeah. why. Um, 
yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be in Kentucky for two days. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's all I can afford. Yeah. My sense of well-being. Yeah, totally. And then I'll fly back. I've done crazy things where I fly back for a day in L.A. just to fly back out to the same region because oh, wow. I needed to come home for a day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, now you brought it up. Uh, Let's Go Atsuko, your uh, your game show, which mm-hmm. is called a Japanese, a woke Japanese game show. Yeah. Uh, tell me how that, because that's kind of, that made a name for you more so than I think just doing stand-up. Am I incorrect in saying that? Or, I mean, did that kind of, I think that kind of opened you to a bigger audience, did it not? For sure, yeah. Let's Go Atsuko, woke Japanese game show. Yeah. Various things. It's so funny what opens people up these days you know like i've consistently been doing stand-up but like that you know exactly that a lot of people have consistently been doing stand-up so sometimes it's you know like like a a, a creation of a show or you know and for me it was let's go let's go and also around the same time no i guess this was just last year but i did a i was doing a comedy set when an earthquake hit that kind yes, of- <laughs> the video. Yeah, that that went viral because, well, I mean, it was really funny, and you really handled it great. Sometimes, if this were if this were text, I would I would put a link to it because it's really funny, and anybody, you know, if you look up Otsko earthquake, you'll probably find the clip. Yeah, yeah. So that's that was. I, but I guess that came after. Let's go Otsko. But it's just funny what you know the things that happen. Yeah, that, yeah. That people whatever recognize you for or whatnot um, yeah well how did the name how did the idea for the game show come about i mean did were you kind of like like to do a japanese game show a knowing that your parents met on it were you right. aware of that of, of uh, met on a japanese game show were you aware of kind of the sort of f- how fraught with meaning that was that you, were, <laughs> you know that you were like taking Taking such a chapter from your own personal history, even pre prenatal history, for sure. Yeah, it was an homage a little bit, and you know, I was also looking around and thinking, you know, what can I do? What can I provide? Right, uh, the audiences, uh, consumers um, that they don't already have out there on the market. You know. Um, God, this is maybe such gross, boring talk, <clears throat> but I was like, what can I provide? What's, what's very, what's me, what's personal to me that I would love to share with people? You know, that's not just like a regular talk show or something because that already exists. <coughs> Bless me. you. Bless Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. No, no problem. There's, uh-huh. I, I sneeze all the time. I have allergies <laughs> now. Um, uh, no, I, I was just saying that. You know, there's there's already like a lot of talk shows and, you know, and people love them, the ones that are out there. And so I was like, what can I bring? That's me, you know. Yeah. Um, That's not just a regular talk show, you know. Right. Um, And so I was like, well, so I just started brainstorming. I was like, well, my parents met on a Japanese game show. I am Japanese and I grew up in Japan. You know, people love Japanese game shows. But what can I do to put my spin on it, you know? So it was like a marriage of like Japanese humor and American humor where the kind of humor I like is, you know, more more words and cerebral and wordplay. You know, that's that's why I do stand up and not, yeah. you know, clowning or something. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Because right. I like words. I, I really like words and the play of words. Yeah. I, I love a classic great joke. And so um, 
So that's how the uh, how the show was, you know, birthed was yeah. me uh, brainstorming those things. Yeah, and then the game part. I had to figure out. We had to figure out the actual game show. We we're like, well, what what tells a lot about a person? You know, they're the yeah. things they love, the things they fear, and the things they desire. And so that's what yeah. we asked for from our contestants. Yeah, it yeah, it was a really fun night. I really enjoyed, I I was a contestant on it. Well, a contestant? Do I count as a contestant or a, yeah, a panelist? Yeah, I guess you, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were a contestant. You almost yeah. won. Um, Nicole Byer won by just yes, barely any points. But um, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm over it. The I'm answer very much over it. <laughs> Andy, the answers you gave though for that night um, were like we had to really figure out a workaround because um, we asked you what you loved, what you feared and what you desired. And uh, for, for love, you said fishing, which was very like, Oh, it's so lovely, you know? And then yeah. fear, you said mental illness, getting a mental. And so we were like, okay. I know that's hard <laughs> to put into a game show. We're like, how do we make this still comedy? And so that's why we decided not to use that. And um, we used your desire of wanting to live by the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Oh, and I also too, if I'd known more about your history, I probably wouldn't have said mental illness because <laughs> I would have been like, "Oh, I shouldn't make it." You know, I shouldn't. No, make that no. fodder for our game. No, it's a genuine uh, answer. Like that's my fear too. I don't want a mental illness. I think most. People oh, it don't. terrifies me. It terrifies, and I mean, and like, you know, now that. I mean, because it's a mental but physical illness like Alzheimer's, the notion of Alzheimer's, you know, and how many people in my family have had it. But also just right. like having dealt with emotional, psychological, emotional issues my whole life and then seeing people that are not in control right, right. of their psychological, emotional issues and knowing that mm, that could happen. Yeah. You know, that no, could it's... happen. Genuine fear. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like, yeah, it's around. I've, you know, it's, I'm surrounded by it. I've seen it. And holy shit, I hope that that doesn't happen. I hope that I don't just like, you know, the thought of like losing control. And, I, you know, and I don't mean to, because you're dealing with it with your mom. Losing control of your own brain is just, yeah. It's, it's a tragedy. It's such a handicap. And so, right. It's and it's the one thing you can't like you can't put a splint on your brain. You can't put a band-aid on your brain. You can't Yeah, I know. take antibiotics, you know? It just Yeah, it's not like, you know, finding a bread substitute if you're Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm going to avoid cheese now. Like no, you can't, you know, you can't avoid feelings. You can't avoid, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know what? We should have kept it and gamified it. <laughs> <laughs> next time. We can do it next time. I'll come back. Oh, no. There was so. crazy ideas. Like uh, we were going to maybe while you were doing the challenge have um, voices start playing. <laughs> but we were like, wait, this is fucked up. That's an insult yeah. to No. We really tried, I, Andy. I could have I done it. I would have, you know, I'll go with it. That's my yes and Im- improv training. I know. You know. But- but yeah. I, yeah, we really tried, and you you challenged me, Andy. That's what that's what I like about you. You Excellent. challenged me. Excellent. You now you you did a pilot for the game show, right? And I imagine that all came to a screeching halt because of this fucking virus stuff. That's right. Yeah, we did a pilot for Quibi, and then uh, they were like, "We need to figure out 
how filming will even be a thing for the series. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You mean once the once the virus happened? Once the yeah, once the yeah. virus happened, yeah, it did. Now, is to... it just is it just on pause? Will you like when this all clears up, or are they is Quibi ready to go back into production? Well, so they were. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but then we just found out we got canceled like two days ago. Yeah. So they, they greenlit, you know, I'm just going to say it because I don't, I don't have an NDA sign. I don't know know how this works. And also if there's no reason to keep the fact that you're canceled quiet. I know. know Yeah. That's why I'm telling you, you're the first person I've told actually really like on anything. Um, Cause I, yeah, I was like, I'm not going to just, so anyway, we were greenlit and we were going to sh- shoot this series. We wrote out the episodes and we were excited. We had the games, we had the monologues and we were kind of getting ready for pre-production. And because uh, even during pandemic, they were like, we can figure out ways to shoot. You know, filming uh, has already resumed in L.A., right? With some, right. some projects have started back up. I think Michael Bay is making a movie um, about another virus. I don't oh. know if, if you saw that. I haven't. I, it's it's about a virus that keeps mutating, and it's a worldwide pandemic. That's what the movie's about. I think it's a little soon, but whatever. Yeah, I'm doesn't not... seem fun. Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> doesn't sound fun. I'm not Michael Bay. You know, doesn't I... doesn't sound escapist. You know, <laughs> no, because it, it's like an impossible virus or something. Like they're having yeah, a hard yeah. time. I think some of the descriptions said they're having a hard time finding a cure for it. And yeah, but you know, wow, that sounds awfully familiar. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we were trying to figure out ways to shoot, and then they were like, "Oh, we need to figure out what's going on with pandemic and how much funds we still have, and you know, Quibi, we're Quibi, you know." Yeah. And, and then they were like. They came back and they were like, oh, we have to cancel the show. We have to cancel a bunch of shows, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that- but it's got to be, I mean, Quibi, Quibi, unfor- you know, it's like Quibi's in the same boat that your show is. They right. were sort of fledgling, just getting started, just getting traction, just getting attention. And then everybody has to stay home. You know, nobody can shoot anything. And that uh, right. sucks. No, totally. But we're we're, yeah. we're going to, we're, we're trying to find a new home for it. So I'm going to. Um, bring it back out. You know, we we just yeah. worked, we, we just work so hard on it, and it's it's something. It's a show that I love, and I love to share with people. And so I was like, yeah, let's see if we can find a new home. You know, this is absolutely. Like, it's fun yeah. and it's different, and it is really sort of. It is a it, you know, it's unique. It's its own thing, and I you know I had a lot of fun doing it, and I I, I hope you do. Yeah. But besides that, what <laughs> what's next for you? I mean, what do you, what's your sort of is there a dream? Is there like a dream sort of, and it doesn't even have to be work, you know? I mean, it right. could be like, you know, you want to start your own alpaca farm or something. Oh, gosh. Is that, you said that so, like, you is that your dream? <laughs> no. For a second, I believed it was yours because it just it's slipped just off your tongue so easily. In the folder of um, pie in the sky, uh Ill fa- Ill advised uh, ventures. Alpaca farming is just in there as as a trope <laughs> in my own little in in the file in my brain of cliches. When you right. when you're looking for 
pipe dream, mm-hmm. ill-advised pipe dream, alpaca farm. Yeah, because yeah. I don't. I feel like you have to be in specific regions to start that, and you don't actually. Oh, you and don't? it also it also used to be used to be a thing on TV. There were commercials that would say, uh-huh. "Are you looking for an investment opportunity? Try right. alpaca farming." <laughs> Because apparently, I think like you could like sell their uh, the wool, you know, like you can right. they, they Money. work like sheep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Perhaps there's some sort of milking that could happen. I don't know. Yeah, and you know? then if you want to get grim and real, the meat, you know, that's I. Yeah, I wonder if you sell alpaca meat or just eat it to survive. But... Right, right, sure, sure. Just go out there. Yeah. If, the, if an alpaca gets wise with you, too, just let it know. There's always the chance you can end up on the table right. to watch your step, alpaca. Yeah. Oh, you really know this stuff, Andy. You really yeah. know about this alpaca farm. Thing. I know a lot of boring, stupid shit that does <laughs> me no good at all. But anyway, what's your what's your ill-advised pipe dream? Yeah, I mean, nobody ever asked me that. So I'm trying so, to think. Is you there know? anything or is it just kind of... Yeah, my ill-advised pipe dream. You know, I yeah, and I I won't make it about career. Well, it only has to be about career because I want to be able to financially have a situation where my mom and grandma have like a koi pond, and because you know koi pond, I think signifies that you've really, you've really, really made. You've it. really made it. Yeah, and is that? Is that a signification that is a pan-Asian kind of thing? Like, it means the same thing to Taiwanese people as it does to Japanese people? And You know, I feel like it's an American thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like an American thing to own a koi pond as uh, yeah. success, you know? Yes, because every every sort of Benihana or Benihana yeah. wannabe has a koi pond. Yeah, and it's they're very hard to upkeep, and they, they there's a ton uh, yeah. a, a ton of money involved. I think each koi is like five grand or something. They're ridiculous. It's like crazy. And like people steal koi. You know, you hear about that kind of thing. It's yeah. so easy to. It's not like there's yeah. a security system really right. on, on ponds. Right. And so um, so a koi pond, which is a metaphor for, you know, getting them uh, the adequate things they need for their health, like a masseuse that comes over every week. Uh, or maybe every other day for my mom and grandma, uh, someone to help me when I do have to change their diapers and stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that, that, is this a pipe dream or is this like just boring, no, practical? No, that's like, listen, that's uh, certainly when I was younger, most of my showbiz ambition was tied up in Family. coming from a place where not, yeah, not having enough money. Like, like, sure. you know, we grew, it was like a feast or famine childhood <laughs> for me. Like we'd have really good years and then really bad years. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, but I definitely early on learned like when, when you pick up the phone and say hello and somebody on the other line speaks, I like at about 16 could tell, oh, that's a bill collector. <laughs> yeah, like, you for know, sure. and yes. then like, uh, you got the wrong number or so, you know, my mom's not home or whatever. So definitely there were years where I wasn't thinking like, what's my, what am I trying to say with my work? I was thinking, how can I make some fucking money? And I mean, you know, and I have some artistic integrity, integrity, 
For but, sure. you know, there's like some stuff I won't do, but, the, but <laughs> it's like when you're an actor and you're in show business and you're, you know, like the notion of say, like doing a commercial for a product, sure. I kind of feel like, eh, come on, I'm not fucking, you know, Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> I can sell toothpaste. Who gives a fuck? Um, <laughs> no, there's but, still there. There's stuff I wouldn't do, and well, it's because I don't. I I feel silly talking about like career aspirations, and that's why I'm also avoiding talking about that. But like, I I do know, like, I do have dreams, of course, with what where I want to be like with and what I want to do with my comedy but um so but the outcome would be you know like a yeah the things I named the nice masseuse the 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 koi pond you know um yeah yeah and you know a, a, maybe a yeah yeah things like that it's yeah. an uncomfortable question for me to answer as you can see no but because people don't really ask that well people haven't asked me yeah yeah well, it's one of the three questions of this thing, the where are you going? So I, I'm forced to. <laughs> no, I have an I obligation to the podcast company. Way to take it off your shoulders. And be yeah, like, no, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's not my fault that I need to ask these prying questions. I knew you were going to ask, but, you know, I was going to maybe interpret it more literally. Where am I going? But then you made it about what my dreams are. And and I, I almost did cry, but then I was like, no, you can hold it. <laughs> yeah wait till we're done don't make this a bummer come on Asuka don't do that yeah you're right yeah <laughs> I, I know I uh, did I already I already I knew that that's why I didn't do it yeah good yeah good. I, I got your back all right are you gonna cry when I ask you what you've learned because that's the the third question yeah no I won't cry at that oh because I I barely learned I, I barely learned. I, be, I learned just a tiny bit, I feel like, every year. Just so tiny. And what, what have I learned? What have I learned? I, I learned a lot already from just this one sitting down with you for this well, episode. Good. Good, I learned, good. I learned a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, there's facts like alpaca farming and stuff, but they're... <laughs> You know, but the and even even that Twin City thing where, and on one side of the town you're 18 to drink, the other side is 19 to drink. Um, I think I'm learning that I'm still, um, maybe, scared to talk about like, the things that do super make me sad, but, uh, that. Yeah, the healing process is really not that hard to get to. Like, it's not that far. And <laughs> does this make sense? Andy, are you frozen? I thought I... No, you... I'm listening. Oh, no, no, I'm I listening. thought you froze. Oh, I thought you were going to say... Uh, no, when you said, does this make sense? Like, yeah, that all makes sense. Oh, I thought okay. you were going to say something else. At, I thought I, I thought bored you, you to death and your, no, your no, Wi-Fi no. froze and I was like, no, oh, God. I'm... I'm listening. I'm letting you go. Yeah, uh, I I think it's that that um that the healing process isn't as like impossible seeming or that far away um than than you think cuz I'm I'm dealing with it now even being able to talk about my mom's uh schizophrenia and, you know, um and not being not feeling guilt about it when I do talk about it 
or you know, because I don't feel the shame. I don't feel embarrassed at all. It's yeah. I want to normalize it, and I, I a lot of people suffer from, you know, mental illness, and I want to normalize that. Um, but for for me to feel guilty about what am I doing about it, you know, I think um, talking about it first off, because kind of has helped me. It's again a very recent thing for me to even talk about it. Um, and then I've been able to even like uh, like write some jokes around it. And I, that's when I know I've, I'm really healing, actually. And so maybe that's great. Yeah, maybe that's, that's what really, I'm learning. And I and I, I I definitely appreciate you being as frank as you have been. You know, because I mean, it's just a goddamn podcast. It's not like you know, it's not like I'm a therapist or anything. And. Uh, and I, but I mean, I'm, it's, it, it's great of you to, to share that because I do think, and it's, this is an event we met, we touched on it before, but your mom has schizophrenia. If your mom was a diabetic mm-hmm. and you had had to cope, like you had had to cope with some, growing up with someone that was diabetic, or if she had MS, you know, multiple sclerosis or something like that, you would, there'd be no shame. And saying, my mom's a diabetic. My mom has MS. She right. has an illness. But it's because it is like, it's a mental thing. We are not evolved enough yet to look at it in the same kind of right. un, un, unprejudiced kind of way. Because, right. you know, so much mental illness just starts out as what we think is bad behavior. Yeah, that's what you know? it is. And then yeah. you just think, well, that she's just not a good person or he's he's a bad, you know, right. he's bad at being alive because he's such a mess all the time. Right. But it's like, no, it's a, it's a disease. And I mean, and it is the heart. It's it's really, really hard. Yeah. To to even normalize, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I well, because it, it, the hopelessness of it, too, feels so, mm-hmm. you know. It's one thing if somebody can't walk, but if you if they if their personality is compromised by mental yeah. illness, it's really tough. Right, right, because that's what sets you apart from anything else. It's like it's what you have left of you. Yeah, <laughs> Even if yeah. you don't have your legs or your limbs or you know your your ability to control your muscles, like all you have is your personality left. Yeah, so that yeah. is, yeah, yeah, it's. It's hard, but you know, in all this, the silver lining, what is the silver lining? Is that, um, you're not making me find a silver lining. I just went for it because I understand. I, you go ahead. You go right ahead. You find what you need to find. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to have kids. My husband and I decided we're not going to have kids. So the, the lineage that's suffering this stuff here. So that's cool. <laughs> that's dark, but you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have, you know, you have your husband as a support structure and, you know, you obviously, I think your grandma is a support structure of all this. I yeah. mean, in some ways, I bet your mom is even kind of support as much as, you know, as it's allowed. Right. For sure. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a family like unit at everything we do, even if it's like we're talking about one person and how to figure out. Uh, how to support one person? That person also has to be a part of the yeah. <laughs> network, and you yeah. know. So yeah, definitely support coming out of my mom too, for sure. That's good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we've talked for a long time. No, I know. It's been great. It's been great. I'm sorry to keep you so long. No, I thought maybe like um, like Kevin was going to just be like, hey, get off. Shut up. No, no, no. Kevin, Uh, yeah, Kevin's a producer who's eavesdropping on this. Right. Uh, No, we just, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm probably just avoiding uh, working on the tub. I'm just trying to, you know, no offense. Tub. No. (laughs) That goddamn tub. Right. Well. Um, because you seem to not believe there are bugs behind that wall, but I no, it's purely <laughs> an aesthetic thing at this point, and I'm just doing it for her sake. I'd leave it alone if it were me, but whatever. Yeah, you know, you're a good dad. You're a good dad. Thank you. That's what I've been waiting. That's why we talk so long. <laughs> tell me I'm a good dad. You're a good dad, and she would be happy if you got to it quicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Atsuko, thank you so much uh, for spending time with us and for sharing and being so open. I really do appreciate it. Thank you uh, so much, Andy, for having me. And I me. appreciate how funny you are and uh, and and what you're trying to do with your career and just with your time on this earth. Um, so um, good for you. Thanks, Andy. All, that always sounds like a brush off, but I mean, seriously, good for you. Good for you, too. Yeah. You tell your daughter you didn't have to do that bathtub thing, but good for you, Andy. You decided yeah. to. You made the choice to do it. Well, you haven't I'm done keeping... You haven't done it yet. You haven't done no, it. No, I haven't done it yet. But but I if I will. I will keep out the imaginary bugs from my daughter. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Otsko Kotska, thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. Thank you so uh, much. And thank you all at home for listening or wherever you are. I don't know if you're at home. It's none of my business where you are. Uh, but we will be back next time with another episode of The Three Questions. Thank you. Bye. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Golitsa Hayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.